Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. And when I asked for a separate room, it was late at night and we've been driving since noon. summertime no matter what uh, calendar that has the first day of summer on it says uh, because it is hot as hell and I am looking out my window at a literal monsoon uh, a delightful thing to to return to after going home for a family wedding uh, but uh, that means... Uh, it's time to be cooped up inside, whether it's avoiding the rain or avoiding the heat, and mm-hmm. uh, not watching baseball, but instead maybe reading articles about baseball. Yeah, I think that that you know the thing that's good for discourse is is definitely articles, and then talking about articles on on the social medias, not actually watching the baseball games because because no one does that anymore. That's what people used to do, but now we just talk about the the meta analysis of the game it's it doesn't it doesn't start with start with baseball or i guess stop with baseball i do that with the nba in the regular season and then football basically the entire season of the super bowl so it's kind of par for the course for me at this point well the funny thing about that is isn't baseball the one sport where the ratings are up oh, i believe that they? is the case i believe what baseball's is... ratings are actually up what is wrong with you heathen people that are watching the baseball? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe maybe they're uh maybe they're all tuning in to see uh what uh just just like Pierce how you experiment with different ratios of of water and and flour uh when you mm-hmm. make your bread, uh maybe they're tuning in to see what uh you know what ratios of sunscreen and pine tar Garrett Cole and oh. others are using to doctor their baseballs. Well, I mean, sunscreen and pine tar. I, I mean, that's just so so from the the past. I I feel like we've we've advanced you know advanced in so many ways now. That's like you know taking a cart and buggy to the market when you can have an autonomous driven vehicle. Uh, we've I mean, Kevin, you shared an article and. I, I I knew that the sticky stuff was was kind of becoming a problem, but now I know that there are all these uh, products that seem to have been specifically made or even are proprietary in house by clubhouses apparently, um, so that you can uh, throw a ball and it sounds like a band aid getting ripped off. Yeah, I think the for me the thing that was striking was that. I guess I have no idea what is allowed and what <laughs> what isn't. Like mm-hmm. to me, this seems like if people think it's a problem, they should just be able to easily, like the article mentioned, like oh, you could have a TSA like check before yeah. pl- players into the bullpen. But like, um, not that they don't go back to the dugout or whatever. But it's more of like what I don't understand what is allowed and the fact that 
all these these pitchers are all doing this thing that seemingly everyone knows about that seemingly mm-hmm. gives them an advantage and there are all these different things they mix up with i'm just kind of confused at where we're at to begin with yeah so let's let's say what's the what let's start with there yeah. what is going on if you if you are unfortunate enough to have watched baseball this year you know that no one is hitting the ball um, right now, the if the season ended today, it would be the lowest lowest batting average in any season ever, or certainly you know in the last 120 years or so. Um, what we do see is pitchers seem to have more control over the ball than they ever have before, and one way that we know this is because baseball is so um, uh, laudably so, I think. Um, does all these things with metrics and statistics they are finding that the spin rates so how much the ball spins as it's being pitched have gone up i mean truly exponentially over over the last few years and they are able to see by pitcher and by team where they're going and the it's not just correlation because they are finding some causation of people talking in this Sports Illustrated article about how they are using not just pine tar or rosin or sunscreen, but glues, like uh, commercial adhesives so that they can grip the ball better. And this grip plus the, the, the grip allows you to get these higher spin rates, which if you can imagine a ball coming at you at 95 miles per hour and trying to hit it, that's pretty hard. Now imagine that it's moving all over the place because someone has applied glue to their fingers as they throw it. So that's where we're at. Like this is happening. And to Kevin's point, it is obvious. And that's where you get into, okay, what the hell do we do about this? Yeah. I'm glad you sort of set the table for where we're coming from uh, because I realized we were pretty deep into the podcast for having, you know, said a lot of things and not mentioned where any of them came from. So we're talking about uh, an SI story uh, whatever they, they call this the daily cover now i guess because sports illustrated is an unrecognizable nightmare mess at this point uh, but it's a, a a big expose by stephanie abstein and alex pruitt about the uh the growing uh ubiquity of pitchers doctoring ball the ball or their hands or whatever and the spin rate you know, is something that's largely a function of your ability to like grip the ball well. So, you mm-hmm. know, w- gripping balls is is something that uh, sportsmen have been trying to get better at, uh, or or get some sort of uh, under the table advantages in since time immemorial. Uh, I, I can't can't possibly think of uh, any any major scandal across another sport uh that totally monopolized all of our time for like two years uh that had to do with someone's ability to grip the ball uh Mm -hmm. but you know this this question of what is and isn't allowed is like it's sort of central because every sport has at least some variation of there being parallel rule structures and uh, they take different forms like how in the nfl every play could be both offensive holding and defensive pass interference 
Um, obviously, you would never want to to call that on every play because then games would be an unwatchable disaster. Or the star system in the NBA where, you know, uh, superstar players get calls in different ways. Um, and, and Though, wait, to interrupt there, yes. last night Ka- Kawhi Leonard got called for a lane violation on a free throw, so... It was quite the sporting moment. Is this the true we'll equality? Have, have we finally reached... Is everything solved? It, it's not. It's not. Um, I wish it was. That, but that is, that is fascinating. And, and then in baseball... I mean, God, in baseball, there have been so many different versions of this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the this SI story equates... Uh, the the grip stuff and the, the ball doctoring to another high profile uh, scandal where um, you know there were kind of two sort of a two America situation where we spent a lot of time talking about one uh, group of players that were were using this uh, not uh, not smiled upon method of gaining an advantage. And we mostly ignored another one altogether. Obviously, I'm talking about steroids. Yeah. And so I think that that is is brought up as the the easiest one to compare. And there's also a baseball perspectives defector crossover article today Mm -hmm. that got into this really well, too. And I think that the similarities there are you have the whole vertical for these teams. Um, the players are doing this, um, and it may have started out small, but especially now with just the sheer numbers, I mean, we can we can point to it, we can see it. You're able to see, okay, this pitcher is doing it. Um, I'm going to start doing it. The clubhouse, like the coaches, are going to suggest it. Like, hey, we're seeing results here. So now you've got the coaches, and then you've got the manager and the executives. They all are aware, and they're talking about this. And it's not dissimilar from from steroids. And they always talk about it. it's like everybody knew that people were juicing, and then other players and other teams. I mean, Barry Bonds very famously like he saw um, Mark McGuire and Simi Sosa players that he was way better than getting all this attention for hitting all these home runs and that irked him and he responded to that. So I think it becomes, it goes around and then it leads up to what is the pinnacle of all this? Well, what are you going to do baseball? You say (laughs) this is against the rules, but I mean, it's like where I lived before and they had this rule about you can't, you can't have, you have to pay a security deposit on a dog. They're not checking to see if you have dogs. If anything, they don't want to be bothered with the enforcement of it. So what do you do? Who is, is, is the tail wagging the dog or is the dog wagging the tail? I don't know which one. Who, who is, who and or what is the tail in this scenario? I, uh... <laughs> That's well. Actually, I, sorry. I, don't really, I don't really know how what, that, one, that analogy works. Well, one thing works. we do know is that the tail is very close to the asshole, and the asshole is obviously mm-hmm. Rob Manfred, the Rob worst Manfred. commissioner in American professional sports, a club that still includes Gary Bettman of the NHL. So honestly, good on oh. good on you, Mister Manfred, for uh, for rising through the ranks so quickly. So a question that I I, I have that I still don't really get is. Who was, back in the steroid era, who was saying, like, hey, MLB, you need to fix this? And who it, who now is saying, hey, MLB, you need to fix this? Because it wouldn't seem that the, the teams are saying it. 
Well, Kevin, I think no one was saying that in the steroid era because this is my ultimate question is who benefits? When you're hitting home runs and there's a lot of offense, everybody likes that. When no one is hitting, watching a pitcher is not as exciting as watching a hitter, I think. I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad you bring up this question of who benefits, especially in the context of steroids because I just recently finished uh, listening to a, a limited podcast series called Crushed, uh, in which uh, Joan Neeson, who is a, an excellent uh, sports writer and thinker, uh, good enough that I am willing to forgive her being a dirty, dirty St. Louis Cardinals fan, um, kind of explored the... Uh, the Maguire Sosa home run chase and and the larger steroid era because she you know she's from St. Louis she grew up you know she was a, a you know a ten year old in 1998 uh, when the uh, <clears throat> oh excuse me uh, all right what time is, it must have been like 2000 uh, when the the chase for 62 was on and. Uh, and baseball was trying desperately to recover from an incredibly damaging work stoppage. Um, mm. And so in that moment, baseball, very obviously, was the party that benefited. But also uh, the the group, I believe, that stepped in and raised a stink was Congress. Because they're, at least at some point, steroids were not actually outlawed by baseball anabolic steroids were uh on in some level regulated uh federally but i I believe that there was at least some period of time where this stuff was actually kosher for baseball players or at least not explicitly prohibited maybe i'll put it that i think i think that's right and um the i mean just like Balco and all the people wrapped up in that where, where there were like cutting edge drugs that were were being made for this like the the cream and the clear i remember you know just weird things being discussed about red that. And it did it did embroil yeah and it did embroil pitchers not just hitters um i mean the one i always remember is like eric Gagne got three trillion saves in a row <laughs> and it was kind of like this is really weird. He was not good, and all of a sudden, he's very good. What's going on here? And you know, Roger Clemens is as well, who had some downtime in his career, and then all of a sudden pops back up, which is not that strange for pitchers. But after the fact, it it was was weird. He had that trainer who very famously like had like gauze with blood on it from some number of years previously. It was so strange and weird, and like baseball had to address it ultimately because it got so gross and yeah, Congress is involved. Um, and now we see these stains on people's careers from, you know, Jason and Jeremy Giambi to people like Alex Rodriguez and, and Andy Pettit, uh, even with things like HGH. And there is a stain, whereas now, you know, the benefits don't seem huge. I don't think people are turning in. There wasn't a, a work stoppage and Sorry. now everyone's like, oh, great. Oh, oh, the benefits of the steroid era. I thought you were talking about the benefits of this, you know, the sticky stuff and, and the spin rate. Oh, I'm saying the benefits of the sticky stuff seem very small, and but how, we know how, what's going what on. What on earth are you talking about? You just, you said earlier, we're on track for the lowest 
league-wide batting average in the history of the sport. Every but, pitcher well, I don't in think baseball. Of that as a, oh, oh, well, no, well, no in, sure, I understand. You're talking about benefits to us, the consumer. Yes, yes. Trevor Bauer doesn't give a fuck about you. Come on, man. I've, I've, I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, he's told. And also, you. like, if you look at how much money pitchers such as Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole make every time they throw the ball across home plate, they have an incredibly have a, vested interest. Yeah, but even on the even, and so that's where I, I think this the two Americas of it all matters a lot as well, because obviously there there's the bucket of, you know the the great pitchers who by gaining this advantage stand to become stars or superstars and make ungodly sums of money and and you can you can quantify their the benefit to them somewhat and and say i don't know if you really need this because you were really good anyway but then there's the the quad a type guys the the people who without figuring out some way to get a foothold are never going to make the big leagues at all and the benefit to them of not even at this point not even getting an advantage but just keeping up with whoever else is already doing it it's practically immeasurable yeah, and, and the article cites um, three minor league players and, and quotes one of them, not not by name, but says uh, they share the quotation, we're all trying to make the big leagues, and if that's what it takes to get there, that's what it takes. They want the guys with the best stuff, and the guys with the best stuff are using something. So he digs his fingers into his team-issued can of Tyrus, which is some kind of glue, and he heads, he heads them out. I mean, that resonated with me because that's the same thing with, with all, like, the, the steroid era and you know as it i mean people who are making not very much money a year are, are in the minor leagues and like to do this okay i gotta get an injection in my butt every day um basically uh, well and the steroid thing was was also interesting because there was uh, you know there was even a third subset there was the the stars who were doing it for performance enhancing there were the the kind of fringe guys who were doing it for the level of performance enhancing that was required to like you know to ascend to the place that they wanted to ascend to in the game but then there's also the guys and and i think you know you mentioned andy pettit and the hgh stuff like there's this whole other group which i'm guessing I, i don't have anything empirical to back this up but i'm guessing is the largest group of you know steroid era culprits were people who were trying to recover from injuries faster and stay on the field, not to gain any sort of actual performance advantage. And this, I mean, this is, God, this is the Astros banging on the trash cans. This is purely, you know, cheating the game. Even if you are doing it because it's the way for you to get to the big leagues. Like, it's... It strikes me as sort of fundamentally different. Like I, I think uh, I'm pro some level of gamesmanship. I personally don't give a shit about steroids. Uh, I, I never, 
I, I don't want to say I never have because I was I was an impressionable 12 year old who thought <laughs> sports were pure and clean once, but I certainly don't care about them now. Um, and, and so like things that I, I think are not uh, things that I think are not cheating the game in a way like I, broadly I'm fine with. But this is this is weird, man. I don't know how I feel mm-hmm. about this. Uh, and and I one thing that occurs to me with steroids is we talked about pitchers and hitters and everyone recovering who could take some form of it, be it HGH or, or actually the steroids. But Kevin, I'm interested because you know with with this this grip stuff, with the sticky stuff, there's no way for the batters to respond to it. So this feels like, okay, how do we ultimately hurt? And this is a very cynical way to look at it, but the pitchers are going to end up taking money out of the the hitters' um, pockets because they can't respond to the sticky stuff. Sean's making yeah, the steroid rough. injection thing, but we they test for that. This is the thing. They, they test for that now, and they have penalties in place that we don't have for the, the ball doctoring, which we see on every, in every game. We yeah. don't see because we don't watch we don't watch baseball because we have better things to do like the NBA playoffs. But go ahead, Kevin. This, I, I think the thing where I'm really lost is this seems like a pretty easy thing to enforce, and I don't yeah, know you why. Don't do, no one has to piss like uh, either. Just say like, "Hey, these are allowable substances. Use them. Do whatever you want. Like, go for it." Or just like be like, "No, like we can look at the balls and we can tell that you've been doing stuff. Like you're out." Or let them let them go all out, but then let the Astros do whatever they want to tell when a curveball is coming, and then like just let 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 teams just see how clever people can get with uh, making the game really goofy. Why don't we just it's probably my why don't we just yeah. like draw the line at natural stuff? Throw spitballs if you want to, great, have at it. But when you you know yeah, but then people are gonna eat stuff to make their spit like <laughs> extra sticky. I, if if you're gonna go to that level, if you're gonna like study. The, the human biology required to to take on a diet that alters the quality of your saliva in order for you to gain an advantage in a baseball game, you deserve that advantage. 100%, you know, no doubt about it. Sean, keep in mind that people, you know, one thing that has been common in the last, I don't know, decade or so is the, the platelet spinning um, people flying to Europe to do that, <laughs> yeah. and eating, of course, placentas. So this is not outside the realm of possibility at all. These are real things that are currently happening. But I, yeah, I, I just if we if you set a line of like these things are okay. I mean, to Kevin's point, uh, and they talk about it in the article, rosin and sunscreen, those exist. Um, and I know that Trevor Bauer is really big on the pine tar train. I'm sure he's using something in addition to pine tar, but uh, yeah, this this is the whole thing. To go back to the TSA, uh, one thing that is sometimes criticized with the TSA is they are not being proactive. They're frequently reactive. So if we say, okay, what do we do here? I feel like they're, the best way to do it is to be proactive. And that's not just policing what's there and putting in um, challenges, or not challenges, but prevention steps uh, for and penalties for if you do it, but they also have to think beyond that because I, I think writers will defend pitchers to the end. So all these people are going to go to the Hall of Fame even if we know that they cheated and they look at all the balls. But like someone has to 
maybe not take accountability, but they have to say, okay, going forward, this is what we're going to do and prescribe what you can use or what you cannot. Yeah. The, the, uh, the lionization of pitchers is, is an interesting point because like, I don't know. Is Roger Clemens going to go into the hall of fame? I'm not sure that he is. Well, he took what I'm saying is he took steroids. Yes, that's true. If he put sticky stuff on the ball, it's like, oh, well, there's someone who who pressed the unwritten rules. Whereas, yeah. I mean, the the other thing and but these things to, are written rules. <laughs> yes, that's uh, another thing is that I feel like with steroids, we look at steroids like that person cheated. We look at the Astros and we say they cheated. But I'm and I think. The, that's part of like the title of this article is it, it doesn't seem like we're looking at the pitchers and saying these guys are cheating we're just like well that's just like mm-hmm. it's just what pitchers do like that's just the game and i don't really understand why so, so i think that so what's weird about and why i don't consider the the asterisk thing is i know sign stealing happens but that was such on another level in every in not everybody was doing it. Whereas steroids in the sticky stuff, you can say that, okay, we know that everybody is doing it. That's, that's where I see a big difference here. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. Uh, the, the parallel is obviously in the, you know, is in bringing outside forces into the game. You know, like I, I don't, I have to imagine none of the three of us would have any significant problem if a team were able to like were able to intercept, you know, pitcher and catcher signs just by watching them. Like, do a better job of of you know disguising your pitch calls. Uh, but but once you've got once you've got a camera set up in the outfield and you're hauling out a trash can, like you have to know you've crossed a line. But what if you bring the what if you bring the steroids fringe to the mound with you and like inject or to the batter's box with you and inject it before you step up to the plate? Like a Captain America super you know super soldier serum situation. Yeah. It's like let me let me Hulk out real quick. I, yeah. I I want there to be a clear rule that's enforced, and I I feel like we have half of that like there is clearly there is some sort of rule about you know using substances to doctor balls because players get ejected for it sometimes it's not that frequent but it happens and so that leads me to believe that they have all of the tools in place somebody just has to give a shit why does no one at MLB give a shit I mean, the easy answer to that is 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 money. I mean, you said at why, the beginning. Why? That... But I don't understand that because your money is not in pitching. Offensive baseball is what's exciting and entertaining, right? I mean, that's well. What I think I dominant say... pitching, sure. Like, but I think. Like the fourth guys in the on the on the pitching list, they're gonna be they're also gonna be doing the same stuff, and but people don't really care about them. Here's here's a different question, and this is what Ray Ratto wrote about today, kind of in response to I guess it's Tim Kirkjian who's looking at you know what happened to base running, all these old school things, and what Ray Ratto points out is like we're looking in the past, 
And the game has moved beyond that. And you can say, oh, it's not like you used to this small. Like, yeah, go ask Buck Showalter what he thinks. His his voice is kind of irrelevant at this point. We've three three true outcome to this to, to death. And so what, what I would say is like, um, you know, strikeouts are the goal. And that that is a benefit or that is put forth and strengthened by the sticky stuff. Um but our home runs down. I know that batting average and run scoring is down, but our home runs at a level that they were at last year. Because I would say that if we are, if they're still hitting a lot of home runs, that's what they want. They don't want people hitting doubles and, and someone going from first to home, um, you know, miraculously. They just want someone to hit a home run. Like even if you have, you know, a game just has five solo home runs, that's more exciting than than you know a ten run game with no home runs. I, th- I think an issue is more about like the the uniformity of the game. It's kind of like the same thing the NBA is dealing with. Is that just every single baseball game seems the same, and like every single NBA game seems the same because everyone just shoots a bunch of three pointers. Right, and and so this is this is something that came up uh, a couple weeks ago. I think on the right time, Bomani Jones podcast, and he he pointed out that like historically once you start getting to a point where the style of play and the roster construction converges so that every team is doing roughly the same thing you have to change the rules you just have to because that's the whole point you don't you don't want everyone doing the same thing because when everyone is doing the same thing, they're doing it because they've decided that there's an inefficiency. There's an arbitrage point somewhere in the way the game is played or administered that that gives everyone an opportunity. And just like it's more it's more exciting and interesting when not everyone is thinking that the same exact thing is the inefficiency. So like I but I don't I don't know what you do about that. The the quibble the quibble that I would have with uh with the Ratto article is that I I think I think he's he's like half right in that MLB is a nostalgia poisoned organization that only looks to the past. But I don't know that I agree that like the past can't inform the future you just have to pair the two like you you can you can look back to previous eras of the game and say you know what was good about this is there a way for us to try to incorporate this more it's there's a middle ground between well, what happened to base running and is there a way that we can you know, we can legislate some, you know, some of the strikeouts out of the game or, or whatever it is. Can Is there a way that we can just make the outcomes more varied? Yeah, I, I just, my concern with, with baseball, and like, I've enjoyed baseball games before. I've watched sure. them. Fun. It's, it's something that, it, honestly, unlike a lot of other sports, it is still really good to go see it in person in a way that, that I think TV takes away from others. But I do, I do think back to the, um, 
as baseball tries to work around this and make changes, I know Rob Manfred is always happy to hear your proposal for a change and try it out in the minor leagues and, and maybe bring it to the, the big leagues. But I think of the 30 Rock episode where they go to design a microwave and they end up designing the Pontiac, uh, the Pontiac Aztec because they keep adding and adding and adding to it. And like the runner on second in extra innings and the bigger bases and everything, it's like, okay, well, did we fix the game or did we not change it? But did we like really invent a whole new game? And I think that if you do that, my concern is the people that are your your feverish base for baseball are going to be pissed and you're still not going to have convinced me to join you because in Aztec, this game, they're ugly. Like that's, that's what you'll end up with. Yeah. But they're, they were in an uncomfortable catch 22 there because uh, regardless of whether or not they hook you now, uh, that feverish base is, um, you know, if if we were going to sort of apply the the base path construction as as a metaphor uh, for for the stages of one's life, um, I, you'd say that uh, the average feverish baseball fan is, you know, uh, looking for the sign from the third base coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a and fucking they're problem. Probably gonna, they're probably going to ignore ignore him and run for home, even though they shouldn't. Right? God, this is this has gotten a little little morbid. Uh, yeah. But but it's it's the same. Look, it's it's the problem that newspapers and local TV stations have. It's when you have a, an old and aging customer base and have not done a good job of nurturing sort of new new generations of fans to enter the fold you get yourself into a real bind and there aren't all that many ways that you can work yourself out of it uh, but but baseball has chosen a very interesting approach to take which is basically to just turn into a bunch of carnies Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. I, I mean, all I want, I, I don't like complaining about things without coming up with a solution. I my do. Own, even if it's absurd, but, but the thing is, is with this, all I really want is for them to admit, admit what happened and say like, this is happening. We've observed it. Like just start there. And then, yes, I also want them to say either this is a problem or, you know, we don't think it was a problem, but just show that you have addressed it and thought about it as opposed to saying there's a rule, but actually not investigating it or enforcing it at all. Like the whole thing with the um, Cardinals pitcher a few weeks ago, uh, you know, kudos to the manager for like really talking through a lot of this, but like that was so, of course, Joe West had to do it. Who's, who's a grump and, and but they didn't really do anything. It's just like you could do this every single game. And, and I just want them to address it and recognize that it's a reality because we all see it. Oh. Yeah. God, Joe West really is baseball's target demo. Isn't that a problem? I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. But anyways. Well, that's all I got. Any any parting thoughts, Kevin? And maybe maybe optimism, or maybe not. 
Um, I think that baseball games are too long and boring for the most part. There you go. That's the official revolution. Official view. A spicy take from you, Kevin. I mean, yeah, this is uh, this is tough because this is maybe the, uh, you know equal to the the aggregate total of time I've spent thinking about Major League Baseball for all of the season combined. I have now doubled it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like it, it yeah. seems, this in particular seems like a rake that they really don't have to step on. Yeah. But, well, but they're, gonna, thing that they're going to. One thing that I find um, interesting is that, to me at least, baseball highlights are still my favorite highlights um, of, of any sport. And I feel like that should lend itself well to the internet and kids and Reddit and stuff. And But it, it just doesn't. So yeah, I, don't know. I hear that. I don't, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I, I baseball highlights are awesome. I think that uh, I think the baseball hitting highlights are the best. Uh, I I don't know that I have seen a more exciting sports uh, video clip in recent memory. Like maybe since UVA won the national championship in basketball two years ago. Uh, then Shohei Otani clubbing a home run a billion feet, making the loudest noise a baseball has ever made coming off a bat. Like, yeah, that's that's it's, an audio it is thing. A that pretty, is pretty really good. Well, it's it's a multi sensory thing, and and that that is kind of cool. Um, but I I don't know, I don't know. I think I I have always been incredibly bored by 75% of web gems. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of lame. Well, you can't get a web gem if no one's hitting the ball even. So uh, we're in a bad place. Shit, wait. Am I, does that mean that I actually like where baseball is now? Uh, yeah, I think it does. I don't like, uh, yeah, I don't so, like where um, I've wound up, so I think it's time for us your, to, to call it Your quits. Cardinals hat is in the mail. You, you son of a bitch. I think it's... <laughs> I think it is high time for us to uh, to wrap this up and, and move on to Pierce's sorry. So uh, what are you apologizing for today? So this is one that, I, Sean, you actually inadvertently pointed out a while ago, but I was already sensitive about and, and had recognized that it was a problem. So I might as well bring it to the fore. When you got Kevin's wedding invitation, what was like the first thing you texted to me about it? And when you looked at the wedding website? Oh, 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 I know. Uh, on on the wedding website, there's a, a page that uh, explains who all of the members of the wedding party are. And there's a handy-dandy visual aid, what some might call a picture. Now, mm-hmm. for, Kevin, how many, how many people are in the wedding party? Uh, five on each side. Okay, so that is... 10 bridesmaids and groomsmen. And I, there was a, a fairly impressive 90% picture adoption rate among the members of this elite crew with one very notable one-ish. absence. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and I know we've we've talked with this Kevin, um that is me. 
Um, and so like, it's really not just apology to Kevin, but like seemingly everyone who goes on the website is like, what the hell, man? Um, now what they don't realize is maybe it's a benefit that they don't need to look at a picture of, of me, you know, being a goofus next to Kevin or something. But like, I, I did look and I texted lots of people looking for pictures. Um, and then just like, I, I don't, I don't know how that happens. Like Kevin and I haven't known each other for, for 10 minutes. We've known each other for like 10 years. And the fact that there is not a, a picture that exists of us together just doesn't make sense from a, you know, a, a universe perspective. I don't know how that happens. And yet it does. And I apologize for that because, because really, really dropped the ball there. <laughs> We're really just apologizing to our 70-year-old selves who are like, who was that person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when, when we are rounding third in baseball fandom. <laughs> or, or the 70-year-olds that are going to be at the wedding, and we're like, who is that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, didn't you know, I don't think, that, I don't think they, they're on the website, Because they got though. the scouting report oh, from the website. Point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a good point. Yeah, so... Um, I guess I guess you know the the teachable moment from this is to to get better about about taking pictures. So so we'll we'll, we'll work on that. Um, but yeah, you want to you uh, want to get a little better, but maybe not too much better. Yeah, there's yeah. a sweet spot. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, Pierce could probably get too much better without really getting danger without getting close to the danger. Yeah, I can I can really increase my output, but zero to five is like an exponential. Uh, you know, increase. I mean, percentage-wise, it's an infinite. It is an infinite yeah, increase. It is. It is infinite. So. It is infinite. All right. Well, uh, let's let's close. Uh, we we tend to to run a little long when we're rambling about sports. So so let's let's put a bow on it with a big idea from pop culture. Uh, and I was idling on the tweet machine earlier today, and saw that there's sort of a, a minor brouhaha over um, uh, goofuses on Twitter. That's a, that's a great word that you used earlier. Um, goofuses yeah. on Twitter who are the term like is goofy, goofy uh, is who the are plural. sort of uh, making pushes for authors to like change their depictions of fictional characters in their novels because they don't meet some sort of moral standard and look, I'm all for for meeting certain moral standards. I think it's pretty important, and by and large, fairly easy to do. Uh, but someone uh, had to like point out: you realize that there is a difference between the morals of a work and the morals of the characters contained within that work, right? And there's a third difference between either of those moral standards and the morals of the author that produced the work with the characters in it. And I say all that to say, I, on my flight home to New Orleans, absolutely devoured a delightful book in which a, a character was... There were characters that were almost gleefully immoral and amoral and uh i would be very sad if that had gone away because of dorks on on twitter uh that book is called black buck and it is the story of a starbucks manager in new york uh 
who one day gets uh, recruited after an encounter with a customer to uh, join the sales staff of a very sort of cult-adjacent tech startup in the building that contains his Starbucks. And very, very sort of reminiscent uh, to the movie Sorry to Bother You, which is also really great, and you should drop what you are doing and go watch it if you have not. Um, he he starts to buy into the mythology, and things go, uh, at times, hilariously, at times, affectingly, uh, off the rails. And uh, it just was, was gripping, gripping stuff for uh for a a long travel day i got in i got to the richmond airport at about 4 p.m arrived in new orleans at 11 30 all told very long layover uh and uh this this book was complete from cover to cover uh before they did the drink service on the second flight so wow uh, black buck by Mateo Escarapur uh, is a a strong strong recommend. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, that is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web at www.preokpod.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast feed on your device and podcatcher of choice. If you do that, please leave us a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. But you've never been a waste of my time. It's never been a drag. So take a deep breath and count back from ten. And maybe you'll be okay.